Greetings, ladies and metalgents, and welcome to this latest rendition of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. Now, on to the science fiction. I would like to give a quick thanks to our tier 5 channel members and patrons. Fallen Angel Buzz Killington Thank you, again. Now on to the story. Story number one. At Home in the Void. Written by Eddie Eddie. Most species require at least some portion of their time to be spent on a large space station. Or preferably a planet. This is integral to some part of their biology. A creature born in space that grows up without being exposed to a planet's atmosphere and unique gravitational structure often grows up with unique mental disorders. Agoraphobia, the inability to understand the concept of a horizon and inability to function without a roof or some other basic symptoms of this mental disorder, known as Spacer Syndrome. This syndrome is exacerbated by exposure to deep void at a young age, or further to that, going on spacewalks at a young age. These effects are almost universal. Treatment for this unique mental disorder includes slow reintroduction to planetary life, exposure via VR to regular treatment along with other processes. These treatments are long, slow, and prone to failure and moreover take a patient out of society for several years. This is why a large portion of species mandate that every citizen spend a minimum of one-tenth of their average life cycle on a planet. This mandatory planet time is paid for by the government via moving those who take part in the work schemes. This is also the government with a labor force that can use and maintain critical infrastructure. This combined with the requirements for any child to be returned to their home planet for a minimum of one year as part of their education reduces the risk of spacer syndrome by a significant amount. There are outside cases where a child is born on an exploratory fleet or out of fringes mining crew, so there are still cases of it here and there. It is said to every universal condition there is an exception. In the case of spacer syndrome, the exceptions are humans. Humans who are the latest addition to our galactic community. Humanity, the species that only 50 years ago achieved FTL, and only 25 finally unified. Humanity has mostly the exact opposite of the problem. They have what they call the space bug, or addiction to see. Put it simply, humanity thrives in the stars. A child born in the stars can spend their entire lives in one ship the same ship, and never suffer spacer syndrome. Rather, they'll work comfortably on both ground and on the ship. However, they'll profess a continual desire to return to space, not the confines of a small room like those who suffer spacer syndrome, but rather a need to be out amongst the stars. These humans also display a supernatural ability to function in fluctuating gravities of starships. These traits combined with humanity's innate curiosity, intense desire to be there and do that, 
and the sheer tenacity of humans has led to these void-born humans being recognized as amongst the most skilled and well-respected spacefarers within the galactic community. This has created a new subculture amongst humanity, spaces. Humans who are born on small stations or spaceships. It is unclear where the split happens between large and small stations, but the phrase, you don't become a spacer, you're born one, is the most explanation humans are willing to give. There have been records of humans who are born on a ship and live their entire lives aboard them. Upon their death, rather than being returned to Earth or a station for burial or incineration, they are ejected into space, either in the deep void or a decay orbit around a star. Humans often ask one another to what star they were born under, referring to the solar system that they are from. Sol, Alpha Centauri, Starpoint, so on and so forth. Human spaces will say that they are born under the Star of the Plasma Engine. Human records show that there are even cases of a captain buying a new ship, only to find that the engineers or other crew members came with the ship, claiming that it was their home. This unique loyalty to the ship above the captain has resulted in some spectacular confrontations between human crews and alien captains, including an incident where an entire crew left the ship, which, when the captain attempted to take off port, fell apart. The ship disassembled itself partway through leaving port. It was discovered that the crew owned parts of the ship, having acquired it as a group alongside the captain. They simply took that literally and removed all critical connection components and took them as parts of the ship. Once the agreement had been reached, the ship was reassembled within three days, while still in the void. These human spaces who settle down on planets find themselves more competent than often more adaptive than their ground-born companions. Humans who grew up in space find themselves more practical and capable than most others, leading them to advance more rapidly than others, even species more adapted to the tasks in question and requirements for those advancements in status. While this effect is still under research, it is a curious observation then while almost every planet-born species suffers mental disorders when born and raised in space, humanity outperforms their planet-born counterparts. Humanity has embraced the stars faster and with more fearless curiosity than any other species that has ever entered our community. They are not as aggressive as some, nor are they as intelligent. However, Humanity has adapted to the deep dark of space in less than two generations, a feat that even the oldest of us struggle with. Yet, it took humans far longer than any other species to develop motorized ground or oceanic travel. They only rack in the top 500 for the age at which they developed air travel as well. Yet, within 50 years of discovering FDL travel, they had the second most expansive empire within the galactic community and have the largest fleet of non-military vessels. There is no human space traveler that wishes they would be on the ground. Humans took to space as if it was the natural environment. It is not far-fetched to say that humanity was born for the stars. Be they born in the void of space, in the cold steel of a station, or under the soft light of a planet's star. They are all children of the void. 
It is just that some of them call their home amongst the stars as greater than others. This is why humans do not suffer spaces syndrome, because those that came before them never realized that they were suffering from being planet-bound. End of story. Story number two. Galaxy-wide VR gaming. Written by Eddie Eddie. FTL travel isn't possible. Simple as that. However, FTL communication, far easier. Almost instantaneous to anywhere in the known galaxy. This has caused dozens of species to gather together and create a galactic cluster communications network called Galnet. This was decades ago. Every so often a new species joins the Galnet. The first question always asked is, is FTL possible? The answer is always no. But FTL communication is easy. It's not a big issue. Most species find solutions to their problems on Galnet. Technology needed to prevent climate change, to explore the local system, to move away from fossil fuel technology. Then a species often finds that since direct communication to Galnet only requires small amounts of technology, anyone can build a transmitter in their own home. At least if they have the know-how, which is freely accessible on Galnet. Most people don't use Galnet as generally used for communication between researchers or talking between friends. Three years ago, humanity joined Galnet. Humanity introduced Galnet to social forums where people could share not just scientific information, but anything they wanted. Videos of things, music, stories of fact or fiction. Even recipes started to move between races. Then humanity introduced Galnet to online gaming. We'd had a digital gaming for centuries, but never had been a cooperative effort through Galnet. The closest you got was the sending of friend of starships and stargazers moved through the Galchat. This has led to an explosion of the VR market, as well as online gaming. Games of skill, games of chance, games of strategy, all played with companions and foes all across the local galactic cluster. Suddenly, everyone was playing games on Galnet. You had virtual gambling tournaments held by various people and companies. Proud, warlike races challenging anyone to try and best them in a match in virtual combat. The most intelligent species facing all comers in strategic war simulations. Every species was developing games and competitions for Galnet. No matter what you played, there was always someone to play with. All kinds of species. Some species would stick to specific games that match their skill set. Some try to push against the skill set and learn new things. Impulsive, rash species trying to master the intricate and almost arcane arts of real-time strategy games. Or slow, pondering species trying to keep up with the blinding speed of a first-person shooter. Humans, however. Humans played everything. No matter what game you were playing, there was going to be a human. Humans seemed to be everywhere, playing every game. They were humans at the top of tournaments, testing their wits or reflexes against species that far outshone them in the galactic field. But yet, they held their own. There were humans in the lowest ranks, struggling and swearing as they failed to remember, yet again, to peek around the corner before running around it blindly. 
It became a joke. There's a human in every lobby. What shocked the Galnet community most was the speed at which humanity produced and mastered new games. And the competition between humans that came from that. There was a human competition for everything. How fast you could finish something. How accurate you could be. They even made competitions out of things that shouldn't be. How fast can you die in a game where it has hard to do so? This was three years ago. Now I am sat in a virtual arena watching the very first Galnet Grand Finals of Bloodshed and Brutality. I paid 40 credits for my ticket. And it's already worth it. I hope the human wins this one. This Vashnak needs knocking down a peg. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment, just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one. And until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.